Lord, we thank you for this time. We want to grow in you. We want to be close to you. We want to understand and know you, and we want to worship you. Help us do so in spirit and truth. We know you love us. Uh, help us to be freed up to love you in the way that you desire. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I, I am a, a person who enjoys uh, eating. I like um, a good snack here and there. Uh, I like a good meal. Um, and to be honest, um, you can always tell how hungry I am by the way I go grocery shopping. If I come home with all the stuff that my wife did not ask me to get, I was real hungry when I went grocery shopping. But one of the things I really enjoy when I go grocery shopping is the samples that they offer at Costco and the grocery store. Well, I done seen some people have traffic jams when they got them little meatballs, y'all. I'm just trying to tell you, like, like them little samples are hidden. But, but sometimes the samples are not something edible. Sometimes you, you walk past and, and you see a guy demonstrating a product. Saw a guy with a, with, a, with a cleaning product. And how do they always do the cleaning products? First, they start by, hey, we have this cleaning thing in this bottle, and it's going to solve all of your stain needs. You're like, huh. But then what they do is take a crayon, rub it on the white carpet. Oh, don't worry, we can get out crayons. But that's not enough for us. Then it takes some melted chocolate, rub it on in, get it on out. Then what's that last thing that they always do to show you how good the cleaning agent is? Red wine. Come on, y'all know it. You've been, in, you've been in the same aisle three of, of Costco too, right? Okay. <laughs> then they pour the red wine. You don't think it's going to get out, do you? Oh, let's try these other things and see. And then they do it. Gets it out. And you buy the bottle. Because you see what it was able to accomplish. You see how messed up the stain was. A stain that you didn't think could come out. A stain where you used other stuff and it seemed to smear it. But this agent, this cleaning tool gets the stain out. This Sunday, family, we have transitioned into the season of Advent. The Advent term means coming. It means, it means uh, one is that, it, that is to come, a, an excitement about Jesus coming. But his coming is for a purpose, a, a purpose to remedy a stain, the stain of sin. And this stain could not be removed by our own efforts, our own strength. We needed someone with greater power than what we possess. And so if you will, you're going to turn with me to a book that you may not have gone to very often. The book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Now, it might be easy to just jump to the table of contents and look or jump to some of the minor prophets but this week, I actually need you, if you are present, to also pull out a pew Bible 
because there's some additional verses that I'm going to reference that won't be on the screen, so we can't all blame Charles. <laughs> and if you're at home, I want to ask you to pull out your e-Bible or your actual Bible as well, because as I said, there may be a few verses that I reference that won't be online. Habakkuk, can somebody tell us what page that is on, starting in chapter 1? 1340. 1340. Amen. This, this, this brother Habakkuk, a prophet uh, that lived during the time of... Uh, of the southern kingdom of, of Israel, and he's a prophet. And he, he's a different type of prophet, though. He's not the prophet that you and I want to be, in a sense. You and I like prophets that get to go and tell everybody, get your act right. The prophet who says, hey, uh, uh, you're not living by what God expects, and get in line. Come on, y'all. We know what he asked of us. Let's get it going. That's not Habakkuk. Habakkuk, though, knows what God expects, doesn't go to the people and talk to them about brokenness. Habakkuk goes to God. There's three chapters in this book. It's a short book. And the three chapters are just about Habakkuk's conversation with God. Just him and God. And he has two issues with God. Two issues. What are two issues that you wrestle with now? What are two issues that if you knew you'd be able to be in the presence of God and have a dialogue with him that you would bring to the table? Two things that you would say, God, this is what frustrates me. This is what I'm struggling with. This is what I need to hear from you about. Habakkuk brings two issues to God. And, and, it, and it falls in line with some of our, our Christmas Advent season because we have this, this theme we've been trying to, to communicate, and it starts this Sunday. It's the theme that you're going to hear each week built upon. It's our theme for this Christmas season, this Advent season, and it simply says this. It says, a weary world rejoices God's graces in broken places. As you see that slide up, it is a beautiful slide that our sister Kim created. So, whoop, whoop, yep, you can clap. Um, amen. We have amazing, skilled people on our team. But a weary world, it, 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 it's a line from uh, O Holy Night. And there's this interesting uh, uh, beauty in the world being weary, being exhausted, being tired, being out of energy. And crying out to a holy God, crying out for difference, crying out in the midst of darkness towards the one who is our light. And so you'll see this phrase, a weary world rejoices. Why? 
because we have a reason to allow joy to flow from our mouths. Habakkuk is going to help us understand that. He's going to break down for us why we can be weary, but also why we have a reason to rejoice. Why there are broken places in our world and in our society that are dark, but yet God's grace can still be operating within it. So you'll hear us say this often, a weary weary world rejoices, God's graces in broken places. Look with me in Habakkuk chapter 1. We're going to start with verses 2 through 4. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflicts abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked him in the righteous so that justice is perverted. His first question is, why is there brokenness? Why is there these problems? Why is there injustice and violence taking place within my people? And that's exactly how it's happening. The people of God have gone away from God's laws and God's plan, and instead of showing love, kindness, and care, they are taking advantage of one another. They are fighting. They are abusing one another. They are stealing from one another. They are corrupt corrupt within. And unfortunately, we see too too much of that. I'm grateful for the the great works that happen within our city. Mac Developments and the Hope Community, like there's so many nonprofits throughout our city doing amazing, great work. But honestly, what I wish, I wish we didn't need nonprofits. I wish we didn't need unions. See, these things that are structures that are created to solve a problem, a societal ill, wouldn't it just be great if the ill wasn't present? Wouldn't it be great if we didn't need food pantries because everybody was full? Be okay if we didn't need after-school tutoring programs because every kid did amazing in school because every school system was amazing? Wouldn't it be awesome if we didn't have to worry about if you would get fired just because somebody didn't like you, so you had to unionize so that they wouldn't treat you wrong, but then the union started treating them like, yeah, we, ill is wrong everywhere. I'm not saying I'm only pro-union. I am pro-union and I'm pro-corporate. I'm pro-everything, treating one another right. And sadly, we end up having to make rules to keep up with man's ingenuity of sin. So we keep coming up with new nonprofits and new programs and new initiatives and new and new. And we're hurting each other. And that's a scene for a dark reality. And yet, this godly 
prophet says, come on, God, you see it. You witness it. You see us hurting one another. You see this pain that's being caused. How long must I call out? And I don't hear you see you saving. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate the wrongdoing? I know this breaks your heart, God. You are better than I am. Help me understand. How long do I call for help and not see a response? And isn't that our journey? It's interesting that there are names in the Bible that you know really well. You say the book of John, you're like, yeah, man, I could talk to you about John Matthew. I think Habakkuk is one that relates to us in so many more, so many ways, but we don't know it that well. Because we can relate to what it's like to long for something, but in the midst of longing, it seems like things around you are breaking down. But then God gives them an answer. You're going to see this beautiful dialogue between Habakkuk and, and, and God. Verse 5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. I am raising up a people to do this task. He's saying, wait a minute, okay, so there's injustice happening in the camp. You bring that to me. Now I am going to raise up a group that will respond to the injustice that will make you wake up to see where you need to be drawing your help from. Your help is not in your strength. Your help is not in your finances. Your help is not in your ability to get over. Your help is in me. But right now, people, since you are infighting and not able to see me, I'm going to bring one over that's going to wake you up. Had to have, have, had to have some honest conversations before where I know that I'm God's real, I know that he's good, but sometimes you don't realize how good God is until you experience some pain, until you experience not having something. Don't get me wrong. God is not saying these people were angels and I turned them, made them evil. I'm going to use them in an evil way. That's not what God is saying here. Because he describes the motives and behaviors of these people who are doing evil behaviors already. They have a pattern of destruction. He's saying that pattern is going to affect my people. That pattern is going to wake my people up. You've been there before where you start thanking the Lord for your car when you ain't had one. You start, oh, dang, that's real, ain't it? <laughs> you know, I, I, I haven't said something about, you know, getting older, we talk to ourselves, like, I, I, I know now. Like, I, I thank the Lord 
for my health because there's been some times that I got up and I was like, this pain in my back hurts so bad and I have done absolutely nothing today and I just want to lay down and go to sleep and not get up for another 12 hours. But, 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 but the next day I feel good and I'm like, God, thank you. See, it only takes like a, a, a small thing to get your attention to make you see, wait a minute, God, you are the source of my everything. It should only take a small thing. See, for some of us, he's trying to knock and say, okay, you stubbed that toe. But be grateful you got a, a house with a bed in it. Oh, okay, okay. Let me go ahead and get a little louder. Stop the car. But be grateful that you got a car and got money to fix it. Okay, you still ain't hearing me? Here's the question. How loud does he got to come knocking? How loud does he got to come knocking? Why? Because our inability to acknowledge that God is our everything will allow us to begin to act in ways that are dependent upon us. And when we depend upon us, the way I treat you will be sinful. See, we see the people of Israel, and we're like, wait, how could they do that to one another? How could they take advantage of one another through taxes? How could they be violent towards one another? How could there be this, in, this infight? How could all this drama be going on? Let us not choose God. Let us subtly choose ourselves. Even good things will have a bad result if God is not at the heart of it. And so God's grabbing their attention, going to wake them up by using these, this, this group of people who already wreak havoc. Look at verse 12, how our brother Habakkuk responds. He says, Lord, are you not everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up the more righteous than themselves? He's saying, hold on now. Help me make sense of this. You're a good God, and you're going to allow a, a, a bad people to, to, to do something bad in this world that would harm your people? You would, you would allow this? That, I, I can't, he can't seem to wrap his mind around it. And, and, and I'm, I'm thankful for the Habakkuk's that are real. Because there's some stuff in your life, in your walk with Jesus, that you can't wrap your mind around. And you got the nerve to be ashamed, to be scared, to think as if this God who loves you isn't like, bring it to me. I can handle it. Or you can't reconcile the actions that I'm taking with my character. Okay, call me out. Talk to me about it. Make it plain. Bring it to me. See, I think that part of our, 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 our real uh, space where we have to grow in God is sometimes out of our brokenness before God. God, I don't get it. I don't understand you. And I'm kind of mad at you about this thing right now. Help me. Help me get it. I don't feel like it. I don't want to. And I'm kind of disgusted with you. But help me. 
You see, I think if we have that posture, a posture that's real and open, still dependent, but still also vulnerable and honest, God will meet us. He will meet us. But oftentimes what we do is we have that anger or we have that frustration or we have that inability to understand and we just store it. We just try to pack it down. Keep on keeping on. And that begins to allow parts of our faith to unravel. God can handle our doubt. He can handle our struggles. He can handle our frustrations. Continue with me, Habakkuk, chapter 2, starting at verse 1. He says, I'm going to stand and watch, stand at my watch, and station myself at the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. He says, um... I know I got an issue that I brought before him, and I'm not just going to give up throwing a towel. I'm going to pursue God until I hear something. I'm going to continue after him until God responds. I know he will. It's a matter of when, and so I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait on the Lord. Not always easy, but Do you think he will respond? Do you think he will show up? Do you think there will be a a way in which he responds to this issue? Let's see what the Lord says. Lord says in verse 2, Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false, though it linger." Wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. He's basically saying, will will you remember that I'm good and that I will come through even if it means you have to wait a long time? Even though it doesn't come right away, even though it lingers, Wait for it. It will certainly come. But when it arrives, it will feel like it was just in the nick of time. When it arrives, it will not feel like a delay. It will feel like perfection. But will you wait and look with the right perspective? I, um, I've, I've, I've listened to families throughout this season, and, and I should say actually throughout my, my pastoring time, like I've watched God come through in many of your lives in ways that we did not expect. Uh, I'll give an example of, of how I have seen God show up, but how I've also seen people miss it. So let's, let's say that... Uh, that, that your issue is financial and that, and that uh, you have a $218 bill due for DTE and they are cutting off your gas and lights at 4 o'clock today if you don't pay this 218 
you don't have it. 218. You are calling around trying to get 218. You are asking everyone you know, can they contribute this 218? You start thinking of how I'm going to cook up some dinners because you're thinking about the 218. And as you drive to a friend's house who might be able to offer a few dollars to help out, you pass some signs. Signs that say, DTE, help here. But you're thinking about the 218. And you know that, the, that this person's got $10 on the 218, and you keep passing those signs, passing the signs. And then you actually see one of the signs. But then you tell yourself that statement, I probably don't qualify. See, oftentimes what I have seen happen is we make a request to God and we say, God, this is what I want. And it's got to come like this, just in this way. And God's like, cool, I got you. But here's some other ways I'm going to send it. But do you have the vision to open and trust that I am God and I will show up? Or do I have to fit into the small way in which You've asked. Like, like, can I allow a people who are totally evil to do something for my good and it be for your good? Or does it have to be that I come marching in on a stallion, take away everyone, put all the folks who are doing wrong in order, just breathe my breath. Do you get to dictate how I move or is that my prerogative? See, part of this Advent season is a, is a, is a realizing that every week we have something that is a layer of our own darkness a layer of darkness over our eyes that seeks to steal our joy, our love, our hope, and our peace. It seeks to keep us in darkness. It seeks to blind us. And this Jesus comes in a way that no one could have expected. He comes in a way that is, that is so prophetic because it's been talked about so much in the Old Testament. But yet, in that moment, people passed it by. Pass it by. Don't now follow the steps of our previous forefathers and foremothers. Allow our eyes to be open to how does God want to move in you? How does he want to respond to the two questions that you would bring before God today? If in a, in a, in a space of intimacy, when your heart is broken and you can't make sense of what God is trying to do, don't give up. Stay steadfast. I'm going to pursue you till I get this answer, Lord, till I see you respond. And I'm going to be open to how you just might do it. God then has some words just to make sure that Habakkuk doesn't miss it. Because Habakkuk is like, wait, wait, wait. So they just going to get the benefit? They just going to get to be evil and help us, whatever? But God says, hold on. 
in, in chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. He says, Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. He has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's, la- oh, excuse me, has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? He's saying, hold on, whoa, don't worry. They will get theirs, don't worry. Any, any nation that tries to live counter to my expectations is still going to have a certain end So I'm not condoning their behavior, but since they behave that way, I can still use it for my and your good. For our good. Habakkuk chapter 3. Flip over a page. Verse 2, he then says, Lord, I have heard your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Notice the change. Chapter 1, Lord, what's up here? All this pain. God responds, yes, I see it, and I'm going to send these people. What? Those people, God? How are you going to do that? Yep, I'm going to send them. But don't worry, they're not off the hook. There's still issues for the way they behave, and they'll be accountable, but I can still use them for my good. Then his posture is, okay, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known in wrath and murder. Remember mercy. Like like now, let me get that now. I know who you are. I know what you stand on. So can I get that which I know now? Can I experience some of that peace that I need now? Verse 13, you came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. And, and in chapter 3, it's, it's like this lamenting poetic language that he uses to describe God coming through. It's, it's, it's Nahum uses similar language, uh, um, um, and, and it's a language that takes us back to Exodus of God coming through. Of, 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 the, of the Thai tribute song, uh, um, if he did it before, he will do it again. So it's now him referencing scripture like that to say, wait, wait, wait. I know your past has been you coming through. If I have nothing else, I can stand on this past to help me hold on to what you are bringing in the future. Some of you, some of us need to make sure we keep telling our stories, telling our stories, stories of prayer when folks were pregnant or when folks were not pregnant, praying for children, folks of prayer when folks were uh, needing new jobs, folks of prayer when, when folks were in school not knowing how they would make it and now they're doing really good. We've got some stories in this room of God coming through, of some of us losing, losing loved ones and, and, and church members coming alongside, holding them up through some of those difficulties. Some of the times when, when, when we didn't have and somebody loaned you some to help you get through, some of the times when, when it was a yellow card prayer that was sitting on your, 
on your dresser. And it was a word of encouragement that you needed. Like, 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 I know that we can reference the Old Testament. Don't get me wrong. That's what he does here, and that's what we should do. We should be seeing God in his scriptures. But guess where else I see God? I see God in you. I see him work in you all. I see him work in this church body. And if we don't tell those stories of triumph, If we aren't allowed to say, I had a bad day, it was horrible. I struggled with anxiety. I talked to a brother last week who told me he he struggles with suicide, has had some, some at times suicidal thoughts. You know what I said? I'm so grateful you shared it. I'm so grateful you felt safe enough to say it here. And that I pray as we keep walking together that in five years we'll be able to look back and say, man, remember when God got you through that season? See, we all have had some of these seasons. And Habakkuk uses Old Testament rememberings of God coming through. What do you use? Don't use. Don't use push your head down and push on. That ain't going to get it. Don't use work harder. Don't use uh, um, um, uh, cheap imitations that are, oh, what are these things when it like, like pacifies you and you get to check out, uh, my Lord, it's on the tip of my tongue. Don't use things that, that distract you and allow you to get like a temporary fix. Like, oh, well, instead of pursuing God or instead of praying or instead of journaling or instead of fasting or instead of fasting or instead of fasting, I'm going to go watch a movie. That, does that make... See, see Habakkuk is giving us... Is giving us Not the equation, because that's where you get very messy when we say do this plus this and you'll get this. But he's showing us when drama is really at you, when you're like internally can't find peace because of a situation, go to God and continue to pursue him. Don't let this world's stuff distract us. Habakkuk gives these last, these last lines. Verse 17. He, he, he's going to drop for us. Like, it's like a total tone change. Like, like, like you know, we, we, we will sometimes go uh, to weddings. And uh, Mac Ave, if you have not joined Mac Ave yet, you need to do so. But we do weddings big. We like, we come out, we kick it, we have fun. And at, and at weddings, there's always this, this, this like, this tone that the DJ leads. It's like, okay, so we're going to have a little music. Okay, they're coming in. Now we're going to announce the cake. And then we're going to announce their first dance. And then father, daughter, and then um, uh, now the food, and da 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 But then there's something that happens where now all that's out the way, and the DJ like, everybody to the dance floor. <laughs> and it goes crazy. The whole tone changes. Everybody gets excited, and we just have a ball together. It's, it's kind of like Habakkuk does that here. He goes from 
chapter one of 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 a of a of a un- misunderstanding and frustration with God to a chapter two realignment with God. I'm going to pursue you to now a chapter three of a rejoicing in God. Look at verse 17. He says, though the fig trees do not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. He's saying, though, though everything I want to see, I have not seen it yet. Whether it is with my sight, yet whether it is with my taste, whether it is with my ears, everything in me that is longing for this one thing, I've not seen it yet. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Yet, though I haven't grasped it yet, I know that you are still good. Help me make sense of this because I can't. I'm going to rejoice in you irregardless of it all. Haven't seen it yet. Haven't tasted it yet. And that's, that's, that's like the... the that's the walk of a believer. It makes no sense in, in so many areas of our lives where we see pain that we still praise God. It's because we know God is still in control. And that that situation of pain, though it breaks our hearts, is not the final say. It is not the final say. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Verse 19, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. His external situations do not control and they don't stop us from our ability to rejoice in the Lord. They don't even stop you at Thanksgiving. Listen, some of y'all had some issues. Before your eating time on Thursday, some of y'all had some issues or family had some issues. You might have had a family member that you talked to say, oh man, my my car broke down. Okay. We still eating, right? Oh, man, we had to take boo-boo to the doctor. Okay. What time are the biscuits going to be done? You, you, you didn't say, oh, because of your issue, Thanksgiving's not happening. You said, cool, how did we adapt? Do you, you probably, you may have even, what can I do to help you so that we, but I'm sure the turkey still got cooked. You see, you see, you see, we are a people who know what it means to still have faith in something we haven't seen. You didn't see the person go get the turkey. Maybe you didn't see the person mixing stuff. You you weren't with them, but you knew it was going to happen. Somebody know Pastor still enjoying some of them sides from Thanksgiving. Uh, You knew it was going to happen, even though you didn't have to be physically present. That's what he's saying here. I may not see it, I may not taste it, 
but I know it's going to go down. I know God's going to show up. I know he's going to come through. I know, I know, I know, and I'm going to stand on what he's done in the past to help me get through the future. And look at how he shows up. Look with me. Our last two verses. And actually, these can just, you can look up on the screen. 2 Corinthians 1.20. We had that, Charles. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. And in Galatians chapter 4, verses 3 and 5 say this. We were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoptionship, adoption to sonship. What are we saying here? Oh, I'm sorry. That was Galatians chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. What are we saying? We're saying that, that, that yes, Habakkuk was waiting for a situation within his actual world to take place. And unfortunately, what he waited for took place almost 20 years later. But there was something bigger than just his situation for that moment. It was an eternal restructuring of all things that happened when Jesus was born and allowed us all to experience the renewal, the resetting of our world that Habakkuk longed for. Some of us need a reset. We need God to reset some situations in our life. We need God to reorganize and put some things in order in ways that we, that we need. But it's also bigger than just our situation. We need God to do something in us, in our homes, and in our community, and in our world. And he's saying, I came once. I'm going to come again. Would you let that be something that your foundation could be set on? Would you let that fuel you? Would you let that give you joy? Joy unspeakable. Let's pray together, family. Lord, we thank you for this joy that we get to have. We are like Habakkuk at times, where joy isn't this fun feeling that we get to experience all the time. But that joy is renewing our minds in you and on you so that we can thrive because of you. Help us, Father, to experience that, that refocusing, that resetting on the beauty of who you are. Because you see it. You see what's in us. You see what we carry, and you see uh, the darkness that is in. Help shine your light on it, that we be just one step closer to you and experience one more level of your joy. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray.